and welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. It's Lindsay and Krista. What's happening? What's happening? We're so glad to have you. We know there's a lot of options and we're grateful you chose Almost 30, especially those who have been with us for years, baby. I've been getting so many OG DMs. Yes. Very sweet. I love our community because there's so many that will message me and be like, hey, I've been listening for five years. And I just wanted to tell you this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's such a processed, <laughs> like, confident, strong, independent, respectful group. Totally. Yeah, I love the questions that we get. Usually, more often than not, I'll voice note back because I. Same. it's so hard to kind of— Same. I can put it into words, but it's just nice to, like, rip. It's interesting. I was talking to a friend, and this was an interesting perspective that I've never thought about— But she was saying, she's like, I don't respond to DMs because it could be a liability. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so if you think about it in times, there's people that really need help. I don't get that really much anymore. But she's like, I don't respond because of the potential of a liability. Mm -hmm. You know, having you be the last person they talk to or having you be someone that they're referencing or something like that is interesting. Sure. And so it's just interesting perspective because I think a lot of times for someone before I had an audience or people that were listening or I engaged with, I would have been like, oh, why can't they answer everybody? Or why can't they, you know, help people? Because you assume Mm -hmm. it's just help, which it is. But then there is the other side of it for someone that's a creator or influencer where you actually have to be mindful about the repercussions of your actions and the fact of you don't know who's on the receiving end or who's on the end of inquiry to you for help. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's advice or just needing support. Yeah. Yeah. I I think about that with advice related to whether it's like skin health or whatever. Like, of course, we're not experts. (laughs) By the way, not a dermatologist. I had so much with (laughs) microdosing, the microdosing episode where I talked about my experience. Mm. And after I put out that episode, I was like, this is illegal. <laughs> I literally, it literally, some people, like I had, I had so much of a response. And then I was looking at it and I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I just shared about that and it's illegal. I, I honestly was like, But wow. it's not illegal everywhere. I don't even know. That's like, <laughs> but that's what's so crazy. I'm like, what's, I, I, I still can't believe it. That's how much I just do my thing. So you're a criminal. I'm a criminal. <laughs> I'm an absolute criminal. 100%. I'm like, could someone even use that against me? I don't even know. But that's how much I'm kind of just in my world. Yeah. Doing my thing. And also sometimes it's, you forget people are listening. Exactly. So many people are listening. Exactly. But yeah, it was but I also think it's helped a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's been powerful to see our audience, the people that have resonated or yeah. chosen to, to do, move forward with whatever path they want. Mm-hmm. It's been really, really beautiful. Yeah. And there's a lot of work out it from like Michael Pollan, mm-hmm. Paul Stamets. And people that have gone on Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is like yep. very much leading the charge. Yep. Maps is incredibly powerful if mm-hmm. people want more research. I want to have someone on to go into like the deep science of it soon. So we will be talking more about that. Yeah. I'm always like on the lookout for how mainstream it's going to get. Yeah. Because oftentimes when it hits the mainstream, there's usually just going to have to have your radar on of like, hmm, is this like pure, potent? Is yeah. this real? Is this true? Are they, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just get a little skeptical when I see like on Netflix, they're doing something, which I appreciate because I think it's great to have this be more accessible and more accepted. And I think a lot of people behind it see dollar signs, you know, so it's like, I just hope it retains the, you know, purity yeah, Mm -hmm. of what it really Mm -hmm. is, especially because it's a plant. Uh-huh. I think that's when I really think about it. Or it's not a plant, it's a fungus. Mm-hmm. Even with, you know, ayahuasca or any of those other types of medicines, you're like, at the core, this is a plant and yeah. it's part of the earth. So you want to always have respect for it. Yes. But today, I'm really excited about this one. I was messaging with Lindsay and our podcast producer after this interview that I did in New York with Rupi, and it was incredible. She is so present and so tender and so authentic. You know, Mm. I was so grateful that I got to speak with her and have her have the conversation when she was having a moment. She was having a few days of tears. She was having a few days of emotion. She was having a few days of raw truth. I think when you see her work, you're like, oh, that feels feels on point. Mm. You know, for someone to be a deep feeler and be someone that's deeply emotional, 
And for me, it feels so liberating to connect with people like that, that are creatives, that are artists, that are really in touch with their expression of emotions and their experience of emotions. So you are all going to love this, especially if you come from your community. I think you're going to see and experience a really beautiful human side of her that I'm not sure I've heard before. Yeah. And I just appreciate, you know, you meeting her at a moment where she's having a said moment. I think anyone in the public eye can so easily be like, okay, I got to be on. I got to clean it up. You know, I really appreciate the realness and I appreciate that in anyone, whether it's on camera, off, on a podcast or not, just being where you are and like really owning it. I feel like that's the ability to kind of move through it rather than move around it and then have it come back and bite you in the butt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Matters of the heart. You know, it's completely matters of the heart. She is a best-selling author. She has um, a new book out called Healing Through Words, which is really incredible. She's on tour now. She has a world tour, which you can go to her website to get tickets for at rupikaur.com. It's R-U-P-I-K-A-U-R.com. And she is a poet, artist, and performer. So she wrote Milk and Honey, which has been sold 10 million times in 42 language. She wrote Sun and Her Flowers. She produced a debut album, Rupi Kaur Live, which is on Amazon Prime Video now. And she's been on bestseller lists forever. So she is someone that speaks on love, loss, trauma, healing, femininity, and migration. And she really is someone that's just a beautiful artist. Her Instagram is incredible. It's R-U-P-I-K-A-U-R underscore. And she has a bunch of beautiful poems and works of art. And her outfits are works of art. I know. Um, She's incredibly inspiring. There was a few really beautiful passages I wanted to just bring up before we get into the conversation. There was something I read that I really, really loved and I felt like was so beautiful and just so true, so simple. On days you can't hear yourself, slow down to let your mind and body catch up with each other. Which is such a powerful moment because maybe we're not lost. Maybe we're just moving too fast. Yes. Such a beautiful integration. Mm. I really love her other poem from Homebody. She says, give me laugh lines and wrinkles. I want proof of the jokes we shared. Engrave the lines into my face like the roots of a tree that grow deeper with each passing year. I want sunspots as souvenirs for the beaches we laid on. I want to look like I was never afraid to let the world take me by the hand and show me what it's made of. I want to leave this place knowing I did something with my body other than trying to make it look perfect. Love. Such a good Mm. one. She says, this poem in Homebody inspired a longer spoken word poem I performed on tour called Laugh Lines. She wrote it for the days when we feel like giving up or feel like we shouldn't bother. Mm. So you can see her on tour and she'll be doing a lot of her readings. They seem really powerful. And she has her new book out, which is going to be really exciting. In the new book, it actually walks people through the process of how to write Mm. and how she writes. So in Healing Through Words, she really has writing as a form of self-care. So it's really designed to help you feel more, to connect with yourselves. And it has all the writing secrets that she uses within her process. Yes. Yeah, I've realize that writing, it's like this sacred conversation with yourself, you know, and if people read it and they're touched by it, beautiful. Like even reading her work, especially, I feel like this is, it's like that, those love letters to herself and reminders to herself and yeah, to incorporate it as a practice. I feel like I'm someone that resists it sometimes because of like that tendency to be needed to be perfect or edited or whatever has been really profound when I've kind of pushed through that resistance. Mm, I love it. Yeah, I can't wait to start writing more. I'm not mm-hmm. enjoying it right now, but it'll like, can't it'll wait till I start. <laughs> can't wait because it's like I'm trying to like make it a thing. It's trying, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm like, what kind of graphic will this live in on Instagram? Or like, mm-hmm. what? how how's this going to be in a book? It's like, just mm-hmm. write. It's like shit. writing. It's like making a practice of just writing for you yes. for a while yes, so that almost the other stuff dissolves. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you can take that body. I can hear myself saying in an interview, this is the work I was just writing for me. Where <laughs> 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 it's just like, it's like I already just go 50 steps to like how that's yeah, part I'm of like, my story. Yeah, literally. <laughs> just write for you, for you. Um, thank you so much, Ruby, for coming on Almost 30. It means the world. We are so grateful. If you are from our community, welcome. We talk about spirituality and wellness. We try to be as authentic and real as possible and present with you as possible. We have an amazing community. We have courses and programs on our website, almost30.com. 
Almost 30 podcast on TikTok, which is so fun. We have quotes. We have a bunch of beautiful quotes from this interview, living on TikTok, and then Almost 30 podcast on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm at Lindsay Simsic. And I'm at It's Krista. Thanks for listening, y'all. We will see you on the next one. See you soon. Okay. I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just, I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash almost 30. I'm probably just going to cry this whole fucking interview because that's where I and am I'm right now. Okay, Are you okay? <laughs> I'm okay. And like, that's probably why I'm going to cry. Like, I think mm -hmm. I'm just like, one thing I've been saying recently is anytime I felt hurt or broken or confused, it was like, those were um, such bad things to feel because that's what... Mm -hmm the society that we live in, especially in the West tells us. And I would always just like pull up my boots and be like, okay, what are the 10 things I need to do right now to fix yes. all of these things and numb myself? And then I wouldn't cry. I would just get through it. And now I'm just like, I feel confused and lost or when I feel broken and I feel completely whole in that feeling. 
And I'm just like, well, you did that interview with Aubrey, that idea of just like letting it wash over you and seeing people's pain Mm -hmm. and just feeling it. I'm like there right now. So I've just been crying for like the last two weeks. Anyone tells me their story or anything and I'm just Mm -hmm. allowing it. (laughs) Well, I'm so grateful you said that and opened up with that because I, even before I got here, was at Whole Foods and there was this man with a dog And the way that he, this is how insane I am. The way he was holding the dog chain felt too tight for me. And the dog Mm. looked scared. And I was like, God, how do I live life when I am thinking about this dog for the rest of my afternoon that I'm Mm. perceiving to be held too tightly on the chain? It's like in, in the Aubrey interview, you probably heard, it's such, and I'm excited that we're going this direction. It is such a beautiful blessing to feel and to be a feeler. Mm. It is Mm -hmm. such a gift on this earth, but it is so exhausting at times. And I actually Mm -hmm. still am working with that energy of how can I see this as a blessing when sometimes it feels like a burden? It's like, okay, when is the other side? When is the beauty? So how do you, is this new for you to just be feeling and really be experiencing all the tears instead of moving to solver? Or are you someone that's seasoned in the ability to feel? I am seasoned in that like I've been this way since I was a child. And I think that kind of stopped yeah. when I sort of, my first book became so big. And then all the noise of being like pushed into the public sort of came in. I think that made me very numb, which we can talk about later. But um, my dad had this running joke about how I'm so, it, when I was younger, because he would say that, oh, she could cry at the snap of your fingers. And I could, it was like, and he didn't understand that because he's not a crier in my house was a, you weren't allowed to cry in our home. And that was very difficult because I'm so empathetic. And I, I, I would, I would see somebody on the street who looked sad to me yep. and I would just, I couldn't. And I just five years old and I'd just be bawling, you know? And I think that's, why I write like I have to put it somewhere and I've always felt like I use this metaphor of feeling like a sink that's overflowing Mm -hmm. and it is like if I don't put it somewhere then it's just gonna like rot me from the inside and so poetry and writing really became the sort of like vessel where I could like safely store it somewhere and then share it and then that for some reason when I would share it it would make me feel connected to other people because then other Mm -hmm. people would be like, yes, I feel that too. Or I've had this experience and then we could talk about it together and feel less alone. And so I think that really became the sort of like full circle moment for me. Mm -hmm. I totally understand. I mean, it's so hard to figure out. Okay. You can feel it. And then Mm -hmm. where do you put it? And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the answer there's no right answer, but for me, the answer is art. Yeah. You're like healing through writing. And then you like lift (laughs) your book up. You're like, I have a solution for all of you. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so true. Hold on. It is honey. Yeah. You're like, everybody. (laughs) Yes. Get it. (laughs) And then you're like, thanks everyone for joining. This was amazing. (laughs) This wasn't an ad, but that does fit perfectly into the, oh my God. And so I guess what has been, you know, if you're, if you're open to sharing, Mm -hmm. because it is, I'm, if you, I think you as a feeler and someone that shares so much from your heart, I'm someone that if I have something on my heart or my mind, it's really hard for me to sort of be in conversation. If it, if I don't kind of bring that in, is there for the past two weeks, you've been crying. Are you willing to share, you know, what's sort of been on your heart that's felt really emotional for you? I feel like I am in between this crossroads I've performed for the last 13 years and much of this last decade, well, mostly all throughout my twenties, I've been in the sort of like public space, public eye, and I'm turning 30 in a month and oh my God, it's coming. Um, Um. And I, I guess I'm just like processing. I mean, I don't know. It just, I feel like it goes by like this. And I've just been on this like train that I didn't know I was getting on because that book I wrote for me, it wasn't even a book. It was poems that I wrote for myself that made me feel so close to home in my body 
And then it was like one thing led to another, led to another, and it all got very out of hand. And then it all just was everybody else's. And then oh, everybody. Suddenly this book is in millions of hands and then it's like, now I have to write the next one. And then the Mm -hmm. pressure and then the, I have felt like a like machine, just the -hmm. pressure to stay relevant, push things out, the pressure of like, I have a team I need to keep creating because I have to make sure that I, I am feeding people, you know, I am that person for my family and I'm very fortunate to be that person. I feel blessed to be that person. When my success came, it was a time when we were not financially well. And so this really was a blessing. But now I'm really at a crossroads with like how I want to live the next 10 years because this is definitely not the way I've been living it for the last mm-hmm. 10 years. And so that's kind of where the emotions come from. And I've been talking to so many artists and writers and so many new people I've met. I've been traveling for a little bit for over the last two weeks and hearing their stories and hearing them sort of share the same things I'm talking about has made me even more emotional, um, made me feel less alone. Yeah, isn't it so interesting how that works where you have this beautiful soul experience where your soul is like, this is what's right for me. This is what I need. I'm going to share this art or I'm going to create this art. And then the ego comes in and it's like, let's do that again. Like, let's make that our identity. Let's share that with the world. Let's make that our art. And then you're chasing it. You're just like, okay, now I'm this person. I do this thing. And you're like, wait, I want the soul part again. It's such an interesting thing to hear you say this because most people probably perceive she has everything. She's done everything. She has living the dream. But as the artist, do you feel like you're ever going to feel like, ah, this is enough. Do you feel like you'll ever be satisfied in your quest? You know, do you feel like as an artist, there is the opportunity to feel satisfied or do you feel like it's part of being an artist to sort of always have that drive to continue to create? As an artist, I'll always have that drive to continue to create. I Mm -hmm. think where it gets complicated is Mm -hmm. marrying the art and the business because I've been painting and drawing and creating with my hands, whether it was sewing dresses or you know, like anything with my hands. I've been doing that since I was four years old and I always felt fulfilled within it 100%. Even before Milk and Honey, I was like, I always felt full. And then I think it's when you the business comes in and then trying to balance the two, I think that can become a very tricky and complicated area because capitalism is not designed for us to feel whole. It's not designed for us to feel complete or satisfied because then it wouldn't work. You know, if we're not filled with self-doubt, if we're not insecure, then how would we keep feeding the system of capitalism, which continues to extract from us? And so I don't think that if I'm chasing money or if I'm chasing followers or I'm chasing numbers or any of those things, I'll never feel, I'm never going to feel it. Because if, I'm never going to feel full because if I was, I would have felt it a long time ago. And the truth is in the moments that I think the world probably, or my readers saw me and thought, Oh, she has everything in the, on the inside. I felt probably the most broken. I haven't been on this path. I haven't had integrity with myself. Mm. I haven't been on that path of integrity with myself. And I haven't been on that for quite a few years. And I think for me right now, I don't think I would ever want the drive to create to ever go away. It's what feeds me. It's what makes me come to life. But in order to do that, I have to step away from the noise. And so the noise is chasing the numbers. The noise is trying to write another New York Times bestseller. That is noise. And I think that especially as women in our 20s, it feels like this is our time to shine. We have this decade to do all of it, be the most smart and beautiful and accomplished. Da, 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 da. And then after that, it's like, okay, bye. Nobody wants to see you again. And I've spent the last decade feeling like, okay, I have to create, create, create. But I think the pressure really made me feel like I'll never write another word again. 
And so writing that second book was horrible. Like I just was like a physical thick mess. And mm-hmm. and even before I finished my third book, I was like, I'll never, no, no, no. Like everything I've written, everything I'm going to write from now on will never be as good as what I've already created. Mm-hmm. It just will not be. And I think it's taken me a long time to get here. And I don't even know if I fully believe it yet, but at least it feels good to say it. And it's that, no, actually, I need the noise to go away because I am the magic. And actually, the noise is, what, is what's distracting me from the magic. And my best work and art is yet to come. But for that to happen, I have to align. I have to be able to hear myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're probably also very tired. You're in book launch mode. You're doing all of the things. It's like, I often, and I'm curious how you feel about this. Sometimes when I'm feeling so much, I'm kind of going to the places of existential, like my life and this journey. And that's my dream is to internalize and intellectualize everything into that. And then also I'm like, ooh, there's like tender spots of me that need sleep. And there's a tender spot that needs to rest and needs to be alone and needs to be just with my own thoughts and be in my dream state. So how do you balance, you know, your own self-care? And this is, I don't want it to be like a surface level question, but how do you balance the care of yourself when you are feeling so much? I honestly, before COVID, I wasn't balancing it at all. And then I think it was I think it was around, and I mean, I grew up with immigrant parents. Like there's no concept of self-care within my working class family. That's hilarious. Like they would Mm -hmm. be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Like, Mm -hmm. and so I kind of just replicated what they do, which is work all the time, seven days a week. And uh, I think throughout COVID, because the world paused, it allowed me some stillness for a couple of months. That was so necessary and so life-saving. But I'm going to be honest, I knew that getting going on this tour was going to be tough mentally and physically. I knew it, <laughs> but it was a hell of a lot worse once I actually started the damn thing. And I've only done two months and I think I have like four to eight months left and I'm scared. I'm so scared because I didn't do any self. It just was like mm-hmm. there was no time because like I I have to for self-care to happen I need hours but when there were none it just was like okay forget it like the only self-care I did on the road was like eat as well as I could and exercise when I couldn't felt the energy felt like I had the energy to do it and um I think that's kind of also made a part of why there's so many emotions running through me I'm, mm-hmm. I go on tour next week and I know I'm going to make it to the end of December, but I am scared of like the condition I will be in when I get there because it's going to be intense and a lot and I'm going to do it because this is what I set out to do um, and I'm not going to like go back on that, but you know, it has made me wonder if I ever want to do a world tour again and I probably, to be honest, don't. The best part is when I'm up there for 90 minutes. It's beautiful. It's transcendent. And I love it. But I just don't know if I can pay the price of, in my physical and mental health anymore. Yeah, I think people, it's hard to understand the energetics of being on tour. We were on tour for a few years and, and you've been on tour on a grander scale. You're meeting so many people. You're connecting with so many people. You're channeling this energy that is you. You're getting ready. You. Ha- it's just, it is so exhausting and beautiful at the same time. And it can be scary to feel like you have to live up to this expectation every single time. You want people to love you and to see you as the person that they connected with in the work. You want to just give them an amazing show and performance. It's a lot, but something in addition to tour, something you talked about before with, you know, your 30th birthday arriving and wanting to just do it differently for the next years. Do you feel like there's almost a grief coming up where you're sort of seeing your future and it's not involving a lot of the way you've been interacting. So it might not involve a world tour. It might not involve some of the things you've been doing. And is it a feeling of grief that you're kind of going through? Definitely. That is, the exact word I've used. I think I'm 
I don't know yet if I am grieving that future, but I know I'm definitely grieving the past. But when I think about the future and when I think about stepping back, that makes me smile. So I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. grieving the future. I think, in fact, it feels like an exhale. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's scary because it's like, what's going to happen? Are people going to forget about you? You know, like the ego comes in and it's like, but that doesn't. I don't think it serves a bigger mission, but definitely there is grief. And I think this happens every couple of years. I remember when I first felt like pushed into the public, I was for a long time, I grieved my private self, like Mm -hmm. the woman that did so much to like produce this work that connected with millions of people around the world. I grieved her for a long time. And now I think I'm really grieving this woman who has led me to this moment and being turning 30 is very like, I feel very, I feel good about it. I mean, I've never really had a connection to any number. Like I feel like how I felt Mm -hmm. when I was 23 or 21, it's no big deal, but it's been interesting to like tell people that I'm turning 30 and then watch their reactions. And it's their reactions that make me nervous about it. (laughs) What do they say? What is it like? They'll be like, Oh, you're going to be fine. Or like, oh my God, we'll get like really high pitched. And I'm like, oh my God, like everyone. Dude, babe, life gets better. I'm so, it's so fucking wild because in your twenties, you're like, these are the golden years. These are the best years of your life. You look the best. Everything's amazing. Yo, it is so fucking crazy. When you get over 30, you just like care. It's everyone says it, but you care so much less. You chase so much less. You like, I, you just don't find yourself thinking and caring about the same stuff that you cared about. And there's such a like fucking power that you have when you're like, you know what? I've done a lot. I feel really good. I don't want to be that. I don't want to look like that. I don't want to have that. And it's just like this beautiful settling that I'm like, whoa, does life keep getting better and better? Because mm. I always remember coming from a small town, they'd be like, college are the best years of your life. And I went to college. I'm like, um, if this is the best years of my life, I should just retire now because this is not what I thought. And then life just continued and I became more of myself. I became more embodied. I just did more of the work. I felt more of the feelings and it just gets better. So for you, you're going to be, I mean, this isn't like a pep talk, but you're going to fucking, you're going to love it. You're going to literally love it. You're going to become more of yourself. You're going to be more successful. You're going to care fucking less. You're going to push less and you're just going to like, embrace it. You're going to be the most beautiful person that's aging and you're going to create such beautiful work. Oh, oh my gosh. That means- Are you a Virgo? No, I'm a Libra. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Libra, honey. Okay. So that's why we got the, we got the birthday soon. Well, what was, um, and you said you're like for the past 10 years, I've been doing things and I don't want to carry them in. So if we were to say today, if you were to say today, the things that you want to leave behind when you're moving into your thirties chapter, what would you say those things are? The chase, like, so when you said that I'm just going to chase less and I'm going to care less, those are the things I need to leave, leave. Elizabeth Gilbert describes it as mysticism. And uh, I felt so deeply connected to that. Like the thing that moved me to get on stage, the thing that moved me to write, it felt like for years I was moved by this larger force. Like I can't even explain what that was, but it was like moving through me and I don't even take responsibility for it, but she talks about that a lot. And she says that, you know, we need in order to be in touch with that, which we all have, and it never goes away. Cause I think that was my fear. It's like, it's going to go away. I like, I think it's already gone. And I asked her this question. I said, like, do you think like it's gone and I'm never going to get it back? And she was like, it's right there. It's right there just there's a lot of noise right now Mm -hmm. but we need to figure out boundaries and priorities and that list of priorities cannot be a long list and so I have started the list of like things that I want I'm after tour the things that I want to do and there's two or three things on that list and the things that I will no longer do and that is quite a long list and I mean 
let's see. And going on tour again is probably going to be with one of the no's. And like writing another book that comes out like every three years is probably going to be a no. But I mean, I don't want to say, let me rephrase that because I don't want people to think I'm totally leaving writing. I'm not. It's the thing that is like closest to my heart. In fact, that's why I'm saying no to a majority of the things that I've been doing so that I can get back to that mystic energy, that mystic voice that's guiding all of us. I need to hear that again. And it is, I don't know if you've ever experienced or just like walked away from it all, but it feels exciting. And I realized that I refused to do that for so long because I was scared that all of the things I've gotten now would go away. But actually I need to walk away so I can get to the bigger place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, especially for someone that makes life really beautiful, it's like such a romantic thing. You know, you're like, I'm going to walk away and start a new thing and just completely leave it all behind. I am juggling quite a bit lately. I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus, and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste amazing unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site wide. I was thinking about when you're talking this like experience of being um, on tour and on the road and thinking about the piece you wrote about your father, you know, a lifetime on the road. And it's like, how do we find ourselves subconsciously in these situations where we're just doing, you know, we're on the road, we're just like feeling like this was it. Maybe it's as an immigrant, it's coming to America, feeling like this is it. And then you're spending a lifetime just doing these things that aren't necessarily fulfilling or were once were, but then we're no longer. Mm-hmm. During your journey of this path, do you ever see yourself caught up in maybe old mentalities that you found growing up or you've noticed with having immigrant parents? For sure. I think that's definitely something. And I write about it in my third book a lot. I write about productivity. I perform a piece about it on the road. It took me years and lots of therapy to realize that I should take weekends off. That's something that I definitely got from my parents that I didn't know was like an important Mm -hmm. thing to do. That and this idea of like giving 200% of yourself, you know, 
and saying yes and not having boundaries. You know, my home growing up was like an open door policy, uh, whether it was refugees, undocumented folks, like we, they were in our house and, you know, like my dad was always, we were always like taking people in and, um, giving. And my, my mom would get sometimes so frustrated with my dad because she was like, you're taking food out of my kid's mouth and like, you know, giving it away because my dad was always so hard pressed on the importance of education. And we have so many cousins and family back home in Punjab. And, you know, like he was, we did have less, you know, we didn't have the toys and the Barbies and the vacations or any of those experiences because once we paid the bills and, you know, we ate, the money went back to my relatives so that he could pull people out of poverty one by one. And I think that's so beautiful. And I mm-hmm. think that's some definitely something that I want to hold on to. But I think I definitely need to, moving forward, figure out boundaries. And I see that with my dad. Like, he's learning boundaries. And he's also learning areas he says he can't. He doesn't even know how to have them. So those are definitely things I picked up from them that, that have now like led to burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also great success. I think a lot of times we kind of are like, oh, this is, it's, it feels so much. Or like, I'm burning out, I'm giving too much. And then you also, it's like, this has created such a beautiful healing experience for so many. And, you know, I think us as consumers of your art and people that really relate are so grateful for your road up in the past 10 years what would be something you would potentially do differently? Like what would be one thing that you would do? Maybe it is boundaries. Maybe it is more self-care. Would it be more time off? Would you have taken the time off sooner? Yeah, I wish I did take, like I've ne- I haven't mm-hmm. taken any time off and I thought I was okay with that. I had so much energy. And even when I was exhausted or extremely depressed, I was always tied into a contract or some other like legally binding thing that just I couldn't get out of. And one thing I I stopped doing was signing contracts with my publishers. And it was such a freeing, like my last book, the last book that I was contracted to write came out in 2020. And after that, I was like, no more. And I saw something so interesting happen. The moment I was no longer bound to this thing, the creativity just started to flow more and more freely. And I mean, that's how healing through words happened that that book, if I had signed another book deal, the healing through words was never going to happen because I would have pushed myself to write another book of poems, having experienced nothing new because it's just been COVID, you know? So that's definitely something that uh, a lesson I'm taking forward is like making sure I continue not to like bind myself to those things. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I am challenging myself to taking real time off, not a week, not three weeks, not a month, but like a longer period. Because one thing I've been realizing is like, it's been amazing. And I I speak from such a place of privilege. I'm deeply privileged to take time off, but I also have a responsibility to myself as a creator and to my readers to give them the most honest art possible And what I've noticed is that all these blessings, it's been like collecting gold and I've been like just holding it and it's been surrounding me. But there's a certain point where it almost seems to begin to feel like it's trapping you from the inside. Mm -hmm. And so now I think it's time to undo some of that so that I can charge right through it and make the next thing. That's huge. Yeah. I'm excited because if imagining, you know, taking a month off, it's like you and your tender era, you and your soft and like slow era, like that writing is just going to be incredible. But it's interesting how we kind of, yeah, it's like we create these prisons for ourselves almost where we're like, I want the success. And that's, you know, when the capitalism kind of comes into play where it's like, okay, we're going to create this situation where we're monetizing your soul gifts, we're doing these things and you sort of feel trapped. But you were talking about boundaries a little bit, you know, as something you're learning. And I think as a collective, we're all really learning and understanding boundaries. Have you had to set boundaries with friends or relationships in your life? And how has that felt? Oof, I'm so bad at boundaries. 
I think my <laughs> me setting boundaries with my friends wasn't even like a healthy formal conversation. It was more so like I'm just so <laughs> bad at being in touch with people that yes. they're like, okay, this girl's never going to pick up her phone. I I think I've become in terms of my relationships and friends because they've seen me sort of like go through this journey. I'm very lucky to have like such a solid group of girls who are just there to hold me. I think I need to just, I need to learn to have better boundaries with myself because I become so driven and so ambitious that I put myself and my life on the back burner. Nobody, you know, they're not the ones pushing me or telling me to do it or putting me in uncomfortable situations. I'm doing that. And it's weird. You know what I struggle with boundaries is because I always, I feel bad and selfish. Like it just is Mm -hmm. such a, it's definitely not a concept I've fully, I'm walking toward it right now, but it's not exactly a concept I've fully embraced and learned to execute yet. I know that it's important and I'm walking toward that road, but I still have a long way to go before I can really execute it in like the best way possible. Yeah. I think we're all like in the phase where it's like, we're like boundary, no. And we're kind of in the like very abrupt, abrasive type boundary phase And I'm like looking forward to the phase of self-worth being so high that boundaries sort of happen naturally, you know, where a boundary is sort of felt energetically and it's not needed to be said or discussed or explained because we know those people in our lives or maybe, you know, those people, I know people where I'm like, I can feel boundaries from Mm -hmm. them, but they don't need to say anything. You know, it's a self-worth that's so high. You know what I mean? I'm like, those people, I get chills. Yes. Those people are so iconic. Yeah. Can you think of a person like that that you know? Actually, now that you say it, I feel like that's kind of what me and all my friends have. That's probably why we've never Mm. really had to have. I've never had to have that. Like They know. They kind of know. They know. They know what is. I think they can definitely feel it off of me. And I feel it off of them. And it's probably Mm -hmm. why our relationship over the last. I mean, most of these friends I've had for over a decade is quite strong. And wow, you just gave me the language for that. That's amazing. Thank you. Yes. But you talked about friendships at one of your tours in this year, and you were saying it resonated so much with your audience, you know, the concept of friendship. And Mm -hmm. it's something with our community we talk about Mm -hmm. quite a bit because I think female relationships or female friendships are so deep and so oh my God, just incredibly profound. What has been your experience with female relationships? Oh my gosh. I mean, I wouldn't be here where I am today without the the relationships I have with the women in my life. And I say that when I see them and I say it on the stage, these women, they saw this for me way Mm -hmm. like years ago, like which is why they put me on stage and gathered around me to support. So I grew up in Brampton, which is mostly like, it's a working class immigrant city. And uh, I was involved in a lot of community organizing around Sikh and Punjabi issues. Like my community faced Mm -hmm. up, experienced a genocide in 1984. And there's been lots of issues with female infanticide, farmer suicide, a lot of issues back home. And although we live in Canada, we are deeply connected to the motherland. And so the diaspora is so connected to the issues back home. So we were always organizing around those issues as teenagers. And that's where I met my crew of girls who we became artists together. Like we were all broke and we all had no money, but we all were like, I want to like perform poetry and I want to be a filmmaker or photographer. And, you know, we'd gather equipment from our house and meet at the park and like go make things. And that was like, I was only possible because they gathered around me and they saw that for me. And we did that for each other and we continued to do that for each other. And I, I always say the relationships I have with women, like those are medicinal relationships like I cannot I could live without a romantic relationship but I could not live without the women in my life it just it would be too isolating and it would be too lonely and it is so 
those relationships are so deep and so special because they just see you. They see the layers and it's different. It's so, it's, yes, that's what I always say. I'm like, women just see you and the way that you're held and understood. My friendships now, it's so important for me to have them be with me through the whole process where it's like, we're not getting stuck on anger. We're not getting stuck on grief. We're not getting stuck on joy. We're able to like, oh, you feel this way today? Great, I'm with you. Oh, you feel this way today? Great, I'm with you. It's like allowing all the emotions and allowing the transformation and allowing the growth The question here is for a lot of women listening, they crave those type of relationships, those really intimate, beautiful relationships with women. What would be advice for them for cultivating those so that they can feel seen and held in the way that you do? Mm. I think getting involved in your local community, your volunteer work, at least for me, because that's a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. I would personally Mm -hmm. start there uh, to meet like-minded individuals. And, you know, and also I've met some great friends on Twitter who then I like met up with and, you know, I'm close friends with them now, but I think stepping outside and going into your community and trying things you've never tried before, find a book club, create a book club with your friends, you know, or find a writing circle. But I think it's really important to step outside and find that close by so that we can like, you can consistently have that moment of circling back, whether it's once a month, every two weeks, Seeing each other in person, I think, is like really, really important. And knowing that you're not the only one feeling that way. Like, there's that poem about friendship. I have a couple, but every time I perform it, every time I share it, it's it just cracks through something that I didn't even know would resonate so much. And so, if it helps, like so many people are craving that. And I think, especially as adults, I felt a deep loneliness leaving college because for from the time that you're in kindergarten to the end of college it's like you're surrounded by peers nobody tells you how jarring it's going to be when you graduate and you're just by yourself figuring it out on your own and then after that unless you're working with people who you would potentially want to be friends with it's so difficult to meet new people and make new friends um but i think And when you meet the right ones energetically, you will just hit it off and like you will make that effort. And sometimes it's not easy. And it's like any relationship is work, as I'm sure you know, and a lot of that work is not fun, but it's important to do so that you can experience the other side of it, which is fun and joyous and beautiful. I'm so glad you said that because this is like my question I've been pondering myself recently is around work and relationships and finding the balance of when is the work for your spiritual growth in relationships? When is it part of the conscious relationship? And when is a relationship just unaligned? And I'm curious your thoughts on that, like how people can figure that out. Because I think in our space, when we're like, yes, relationships are hard. You have to look at your shadow. You have to look at the parts of you that are ugly. You have to really put your ego aside. You have to choose love again and again, which isn't easy. And then when is it a time where it feels like it's unaligned and there might be too much efforting? Have you ever had any of those experiences or do you have any thoughts on on that when I say that? I always say that I can't expect people to, if I'm giving this person so much, I can't give expecting that in return. And if this person teaches me that Mm. perhaps they can't love me or share with me the ways that I want, and then that's okay. And then I know that maybe then I'm not going to pour my heart and my soul into this. And so I kind of had to learn that throughout years. It's like I have some friends who I'm going to party with them and like, that's kind of it. And we're going to have a great night, but they're not the folks that I'm going to call when my like heart is broken and I need somebody to like pick me up and take me for ice cream. But I think we always know like the gut and the instinct is always speaking to us. And sometimes we're just too afraid to listen. Um, But I think listening to your instinct is very, very important. And I think like, for me, it's always been like, I don't know if you, sometimes when something is, I I leave when it's toxic. That's kind of when I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But sometimes I I have friendships that are very difficult 
but I know that that's something that they are dealing with in their own life. And I bring how much I can and I support how much I can. And then that there's a boundary that I draw and then I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Tema Bryant, she came on the podcast and she said, there's such a difference between um, saying, I don't know and saying, I know, but I'm scared. Because I think that's for a lot of people, their intuition speaks to them. It's telling them something and they know, but they're scared to say or admit it. I know I'm someone that happens to me all the time where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And it's, I know, but I'm scared to admit it or I'm scared to make a move or, or take a step further. Have you ever had a friendship breakup? Have you ever had your heart broken by a friend um, in your life? You know, I, I'm very lucky. I haven't had that for quite some time. <laughs> I'm very lucky for that, but I've had some of my best friends like in high school, really. That's Mm -hmm. when the last time it happened for me Mm -hmm. that truly broke my heart. And I have had, you know, although I haven't had like toxic friendship breakups, one of my, my dear longest friend I've had since I was in sixth grade, my best friend, my relationship, we went from seeing each other every single day from like the start of sixth grade to college. And then when all of this started happening for me and the book started coming out and my interests and my ambitions sort of began to change, well, not change. I actually just began to step into the ambitions and step into all of that. She did have, um, she saw it differently. She saw it as like me putting our relationship second and not caring and all of those. So I think that was probably in recent years, the most difficult transition I've had is um, we stepped away from our relationship for a year and I thought it was never, ever going to like, we were never going to come back together again. Um, and it was a relationship I never, ever thought would end. We would talk about, oh, one day we're going to get married and we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll have kids and we're just going to grow old together. It's going to be great. And then boom, it just disappeared. And a year after she sort of came back and she was like, I'm sorry, you know, I thought you were being selfish, but you weren't being selfish. You were just aligned in your purpose. And I'm realizing that now and like, let's work on it. And, you know, our relationship, I love her so deeply and, but our relationship will never go back to how it was. Cause I can't see her every day and I can't call her every day. And like, I still grieve that because I miss that. And she is medicine for me. I've realized friendships will work like this, you know, we'll grow together and then we'll go apart, but we can come back and there's so many ebbs and flows and it doesn't always just have to be closeness and perfect. In fact, I think most of it is just like this. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And yeah, the high school relationships, man, because those years you're just so desperately clinging to feeling less alone and feeling seen is like such a tender. I mean, those relationships with women, some of the most heartbreak I've ever felt. It's so, and you are just like so close. It is like, yeah, you're like, you're my bridesmaid. You're like 14. You're like, you're my (laughs) bridesmaid. We're together forever. (laughs) This is us, period, the end. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the new book and healing through words, which is so beautiful. And I'm so excited about it. And I was wondering, you know, even before healing through words, was there ever a time where you were able to go, you were kind of using bad things like numbing or social media or validation or relationships as a crutch for your healing instead of healing in the right way, which is through the writing? I've always used like writing and art as a way to heal. I would say from the periods of 2016 or 2017 up until 2020. I was extremely numb because I went through a very, a very intense period of depression. So during those times I was, I think I just resorted to the numbness. Like it was too much to handle. And one thing I realized is like, when you try not to feel the negative things and you numb yourself to the negative things, then you also numb yourself to the joy that can possibly come in. And during those moments, like writing became very unenjoyable. Like it was just not fun. And actually sometimes I was like triggered by it. I was like, oh my God, like I can't even, I can't even think about doing that right now. But now as I'm, I I challenge myself every single day when I sit down, I'm like, 
no, you are writing. Today is for you. Do not think about who's going to read it. Do not think about, oh my God, what the final outcome or what the product is going to be. That's healing through words feels. And that's kind of why I wrote healing through words is because writing became so difficult. Once I became so well known for the writing, it became so hard to do. And I lost that relationship with it. And I searched for tools and I searched for resources to help me fall back into that place where the writing was effortless. And I didn't find those the resources I was looking for. And so I began to create these writing exercises to help me drop into the writing. And then COVID hit. And then I began to do Instagram live writing workshops with my community. And I was surprised to find so many of my readers were actually writers. Like sometimes we would have like 10,000 people on an IG live writing for over an hour. And then healing through words went from being something I was writing, to, something I was creating to help me write to something I was creating as like a gift to them as well. And it's 60, over 65 writing exercises along with like tips and tricks and secrets that I use to edit and figure out what I want to write about. And I wrote it to help me write my next book. Like that's kind of like, I, I go, I use it when I'm like free writing or when I don't know what to write about. And I'm hoping that it's going to create, help me create my next body of work. And I'm excited to see what my readers create with it. Mm. What if someone's listening and they're like, I'm not a writer. I don't write, you know, like what would be your message to someone that's like, I'm, but I'm not a writer. This book is not for writers. And I was very conscious of the first page. It says, uh, I talk about creativity. I talk about who gets to be creative. And I say, want to know what makes me sad when someone tells me they're not creative. Mm -hmm. And we have somehow convinced millions of people that you can be creative or you can be logical, but you can't be both things as if creativity is this skill that's only accessible to a select few when I, I actually believe that creativity is innate to all of us as humans who are living and breathing. And so what I've done with these exercises is I have created them in a way where if you've never written a day in your life, you will be able to do them. And it's for, and for those folks, it's a great book to use as a part of your self-care. That's really what I wanted it to be, a moment of thoughtfulness, a moment of healing, a moment of really inner listening as I step forward trying to cancel and shut out the noise in my life and step into listening and hearing myself. I hope that other people find that it can help them do that and they can sort of add it to their daily self-care practice. Mm. Yeah, it's the writing process and the creativity process. It's like that. It's like the soul, you know, it's, it's really, it's that unique essence that is us. And absolutely. And of course in miracles, I really love um, where they talk about creativity and they talk about creation as if it's adding to what already is perfect. And it's mm. this unique creation where you're just adding a little bit more flavor and color to an already perfect and beautiful life or, you know, if you perceive it to be that way. But I remember for most of my life, I was like, oh, I'm just business. I'm whatever. And finding out that I was creative and that was mm -hmm. such a special part of me is such an act of self-care and self-love. So I'm so excited for people to pick up the book and write. It'd be powerful for people to do book clubs like around the mm -hmm. world where they could come together almost as accountability and do some of the exercises together and maybe even read their work together because there's such a healing in, in having it be shared, not for, you know, not for their response, but just for like the beauty of the uniqueness of each person's creativity. Absolutely. I think that's what really excites me too, is like mm -hmm. all of us, everybody who goes through this book, we're all given the same exercises. It's all the same prompts, but each of us is going to walk away with something so unique and so different. And writing is one of those crafts that I think is innate to, to all of us. And so many of us, I personally use it as a way to process. And it's one of those crafts where I think 
as living, breathing humans, it just makes sense whether you pursue it professionally or not. And I have been thinking about what do I want to do? And like, do I want to set something like a book club up? But then I'm like, okay, I'm also saying boundaries. Like maybe I can let my readers, let them figure it out. (laughs) 100% story of my life. I like do that with all my friends. I'm like, okay, I've got a business idea. They're like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, I've got something for you. Book clubs everywhere, leading them. Like we're going to make it massive. It's like, just let the work, let people do what they want with their work and let people like exist how they want. Okay. Last question from me. This has been such a delight. I'm, I was so honored and grateful that you were able to come on. We are such huge fans of you. Um, our community, such huge fans of you. So this has just been even better than what I could have imagined. You are such a pure heart and, and it's interesting, you know, just, you're like, Oh, I'm not living in integrity. I'm like, Oh, I feel like your soul and your, the way you exude is just so an integrity to what I perceive. So I just wanted to reflect that back. Thank but you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Okay. So you're about to turn 30. If you were 60 and you were listening to this podcast episode, what would be the one message or what would be the way you'd like to be living your life in the next 30 years? If you were 60 and you're like, I'm so glad that I'm living off the grid. I'm in a relationship with someone I love. Like what would be the dream vision for your life? I just want, I want to be 60 and know that I have like laughed as much as I possibly could have. And that's it. (laughs) Oh my God. Say no more. Thank you for the the literally perfect answer. (sighs) (laughs) Talking to you has been so nice. Even when Mm -hmm. I listen to all to the episodes, like, I don't know if it's like the sound, it is what you say, but like your voice, it just, it feels so safe and so calming. Thank you for allowing me to show up as my imperfect self, because that's what I feel today. I feel imperfect. And um, thank you for all, thank you for the pep talk. I'm excited to turn 30. I'm excited to, you know, go into all of that. You are going to have your greatest era and you are going to be not giving a fuck, laughing your ass off, looking better than ever, creating soft her soft era work. It is going to be, I can't freaking wait. You're going to be the best. So I'm hopeful. I want to try and find you on tour so I can just even give you even more love, but our audience is going to be so excited for the book healing through words, which is out September 27th. Um, And you guys already know and follow her and love her. So thank you for such a delightful afternoon. I'm so grateful. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rupi, for joining us. Again, she is on tour. Her new book is out now. Be sure to grab it. Just thank you for sitting down with us. We know you're so, so busy. Yeah, we appreciate it. Her new book is out now. It's Healing Through Words. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. You can find all discounts in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. We appreciate your listenership. You guys are the best. We have episodes twice a week. And we also have a new podcast, Morning Microdose. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Give it a listen. And we will see you soon. We'll see you soon. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.